Amen. Amen. Hey, two quick things. First, uh, if you'd pull out your smartphones, everybody pull them out. If you got them, pull it out. Uh, go to your web browser. You don't have to do this if you don't want to, but I'd like it to do it. Uh, go to your web browser. Go to shinechurch.life, shinechurch.life, and then put a slash, and then write the word topics. And here's what's going to happen, shinechurch.life slash topics. There's this one single question there. And as we were praying for and thinking about uh, 2019, um, the teaching team uh, kind of had this, this idea, hey, you know what? It's great to go before the Lord and hear what he has speaking or what he's speaking to us, what we should deliver as messages. Um, but there are great ideas, there are great thoughts, and there are things that you guys want to hear about, um, and we want to hear from you about that. As we've been teaching since we started this church, we want you to have a voice in what we're doing as this church. And so even when it comes to messages, we want to know what you would like us to be teaching and what you would like to have us be bringing as messages. And so shinechurch.life slash topics, simple question, simply ask this, what would you like to see the teaching team speak about in the coming year? And so it's interesting because we talked about this uh, about 10 days ago. We were thinking, oh man, that'd be a great way to just really give, uh, again, the church a voice and what we're sharing. And last weekend after I spoke on Saturday night, I had a gentleman come up to me and said, hey, um, man, have you ever thought about actually teaching a message on living in freedom and how to live in freedom and what that looks like? And I'm like, uh, no, great topic. I love the idea. And next week we're gonna have a website just for you. And so that's the website, shinechurch.life slash topics. Please give us your thoughts and your ideas. Now, we're not gonna be able to get to all of them, obviously, but if there's a common theme in, in a lot of those, man, we wanna pay attention to that and actually we want, uh, again, so that you have a voice, we want to, as a teaching team, uh, be able to be teaching on and bringing things from the Lord that um, you are interested in, that you want to actually apply into your life. And so the best way we thought we could do that is to have you guys give us some feedback in that. So that's the first thing. The second thing is this logo behind me. Yeah. Is this not the coolest thing ever? Uh, let me tell you how this happened. Again, just the talents and abilities that are in this room, that are in this church, are absolutely amazing. And we had a gentleman, his name is Ryan Stitt. If you know Ryan Stitt, Ryan and Mandy. Uh, he likes to work with metal. He likes to do that kind of thing. And he came up to me uh, probably after we were at church for about a month, and he said, hey, um, I've got this idea in my head to, to take the logo and to put it on a big piece of metal. And to be honest with you, when he first said it, I was like, What? And he's like, oh man, it would be really cool. I could cut it, I could get it all cut out, laser cut out, and it would be just like the logo that uh, you guys have for Chine Church. And then I would like to you know, be able to finish it whatever way that you want to. And so long story short, he spent hours and hours and hours polishes, polishing this thing hand by hand. I mean, he had a little electric polisher and his whole purpose and, and hearing from the vision and the heart from what we're teaching about, he wanted this to represent from the center, the light shining out. And man, what a cool thing right there, huh? And so I just wanted to give him recognition. He was here last night. I totally embarrassed him, but I, um, I, these are the types of things, man, I, you know, it's funny because I'm so grateful for it, but when I thank him, he goes, no, thank you. I'm like, wait a second, you did this for us. And he's like, yeah, but I had so much fun. It was so much 
uh, there was so much life in doing it. I, I know I spent hours on it, but I enjoyed every hour doing it. And I'm like, okay. If you want to make another one, I'd be all right. <laughs> what else you got in mind? I know I just, it's, it's, here's what's so amazing is that when we operate in the gifts, when we operate in the purpose and the plans that God has for us, we might get tired, we might get weary, but the truth is that it's life-giving and what comes out of it is, man, there's just such freedom. I, you know, I think about a guy that might come and help you move your house and you know, everybody hates moving, but the guy with a servant heart will thank you for letting him help you. That's what happens when we enter into the purpose and plans and the giftings that God has for us. And so I just wanted to recognize him. What an incredible thing that he did for us as a church. And uh, so we put it right in the middle of the, of the wall so that everybody could see it and be reminded, hey, this whole church is about shining God's light from the center of who we are out into the world. And, uh, and so the message that I'm going to be teaching, actually, the series uh, for this year is going to be called Centered. Um, start off the year with a message called Centered. So I'm going to pray, ask God to speak through me. Would you ask God to speak to you right now? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much. God, I thank you for every single person <clears throat> that is in this room. I thank you for the gifts, the talents. God, I thank you for uh, the purposes and plans um, that you have for every single one of us in this room. God, there is such a wealth of resource in this room. And God, not money, I'm not speaking about money, but I'm speaking about just the ability to reach into people's needs and, and hearts and help them mentally and help them physically and help um, just to help us all accomplish uh, the greater purpose, which is to bring your name glory and to give you honor and to let your light shine into this world. God, I thank you that in the word of God, it says that when then times come and we stand in heaven before you, there, Ill, there will be no sun, there will be no moon because your radiance will light up the world. And God, so I pray right now that your radiance, your life would fill this place this morning. God, I pray you would speak through me, communicate your heart, your message. And as I speak the words, I pray that they would penetrate into the hearts and minds and spirits of everybody listening and they would receive what you have for them. God, shine a little bit more, shine a little brighter in every person listening to me right now. And if this is your prayer, say amen. 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 All right, so we're gonna do a series called Centered. So I'm gonna ask a question from you real quick. When I say the word centered, what comes to mind? Psychology. What'd you say? Psychology. Psychology. That is a word I was not expecting at all. Psychobat. Psycho okay, why? It's just what I hear Okay, so you, right, that they're sent. Ooh, that's, yeah. Anybody else? Psychobat. Oh, okay, I can totally see that. Yes. Balance. I love that word. I, a couple of weeks ago, I actually taught about the importance of having a balanced life because in anything, whether, for instance, legalism versus grace and mercy. You know what? You teach legalism and it's just all la, 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 and you can get out of balance. Or if you teach all grace and you don't remember the things and the precepts that God has put in his word, then you get over here and you get out of balance and, and we find ourselves not in that centered place, in that balanced place. We talked about love uh, in November and the fact that, yeah, if we love, but we don't have truth behind the love, we can get out of balance. Um, absolutely, balance is a great one. Anybody else? Centered, yeah. 
Strong foundation. Ooh, I like that one. Okay. What else comes to mind? Yeah. Focus. focus. Ooh, I like that. The focus of this is the center, right? Just the, you're drawn kind of into it, but then, uh, I don't know. Okay. Just so many, you can pull so many means. I like that. Yes. Core. The core. Ooh, the core of, I like that. Okay. Um, this side of the room is doing well. How about you guys over here? Huh? Certainty. A little bit more. We're, just a solid confidence. Oh, I love that. Love that. Anything? One more. Alignment. Go into that a little bit. I like it though. So all of these words come to mind when you think centered. Um, you know, so here's what I did. I, I just, let me look it up in the Webster's Dictionary. What does it mean? And so here's the first definition that came out. The point around which a circle or sphere is described. Okay, so I can see that circle. There's the, the center right there, right? The second one, though, is really, my attention was drawn to it in the way that it was worded. And it says this, a point, area, person, or thing that is most important or pivotal in relation to an indicated activity, interest, or condition. Let me say that again. A point, area, person, or thing that is more or that is most, that is most important or pivotal in relation to an indicated activity, interest, or condition. So I looked up the word centered, and it simply means having a center. And the second definition is this, emotionally stable and secure. How many of you guys want to be emotionally stable and secure? Only about half of us. (laughs) That is amazing. Half of you are, no, I like the mental chaos I'm living in, it's awesome. I think every single person in this room, I think every single person in this world, it's why we have psychobabble, it's why we have the alignment issues, it's because every person living wants to have emotional stability. And I want to just share with you that I believe where your center is or who you put in your center will determine whether you have that emotional stability or not. And at the beginning of the year, It is a natural time when we actually take time and we take inventory of our lives and we focus on where we're at. I can prove this to you by looking at any rec center in the country. Because on December 27th, you can find front row parking. But on January 2nd, you have to park in an abandoned parking lot and get shuttled to the rec center. Yes or no? Why is that? New Year's resolutions, right? Everybody's looking at their uh, food intake through Thanksgiving and Christmas and New Year's, and they realize, oh man, I am, I I lost center. (laughs) I'm, I'm having a hard time walking right now, so I'll go run on a treadmill. Uh, It's, it's just. It's the time of year where we actually take inventory and we look into the things uh, of our life. And we make um, New Year's resolutions that, um, to be quite honest with you, church, um, they're a good idea, but if they're not spirit-led, they're out of your flesh, 
And anything you try to do in your flesh is not sustainable. I want you to hear that again. Anything you do in your flesh, it's just not sustainable. You're trying to obtain something and you, you have the motivation and you have uh, the energy to go forth into it. Uh, but then after a period of time, because you know by January 4th, you've already missed a day at the rec center. And then you start to condemn yourself and then by January 11th, you're like, ah, never mind. And by February 1st, you can get front row parking at the rec center again. Right? As a teaching team, we got together and we just started talking. Man, what, what do we want to do this year? What, how should we start this? And this idea of centered came out. And um, I think it's very important to take inventory and to look at our lives and say, who is the center of, of your life. And I think, um, and, and maybe there's more answers, but the three answers came up to me when I thought about this. You can either have you at the center of your life. You can have another person. You can have others at the center of your life. Or you can have God at the center of your life. Help me out. If you put you at the center of your life, what happens? <laughs> Doug? Doug, I'm just going to say you are awfully quick at that. I mean, I mean, just so you know, I did not prep him or prime him on that. That just came out right out. Of, okay, so you put yourself at the center of your life and you screw up. You mess up, okay? I, absolutely. Any, anybody else? Nobody's screwed up, just you and me, Doug. It's all good. All right, what else? When you put you at the center of your life, what else? Huh? Lost? How do you, how do you, how do you get lost? There, there's no, well, yeah, but if you're the center, right? I mean, some people would say, man, if I put myself at the center, I would never get lost. But the truth is, what, what did you say over here? When he said lost, somebody else said out of focus. Your navigational, well, you do, but your navigational database is you. And, and you may be a wise person in here and you may have some understanding, but do you know it all? Man, I'm far, the, the older I get, the more I realize, the less I know. That's what I begin to realize. You know, when I was a teenager, I thought I knew it all. And it's funny. And I did, because I did, right? You know, um, absolutely. Okay, can we get lost? What else when you put yourself at the center? Yeah. It's boring. It's boring. That's a good one. I like that one. What, go into that a little bit. Why is it boring? So when you're just focusing on yourself, you kind of, somebody said last night, and I thought this was good in my tie-in, uh, it's lonely. It's lonely. You start focusing on yourself and you can get lonely. Yeah, back here. Discontentment. It's funny because you would think if you focus and put yourself at the center, then you would be able to meet all your needs, right? But then what happens is you begin to realize uh, there's a discontentment that begins to take place, Okay. No direction. Ties in, because you're already there. <laughs> We're not sure where there is, 
but you're there and you're probably very lost and very discontented. Um, yes. Your pride. Your, oh, man. Okay. I'm not going to have a show of hands, but how many of you know uh, somebody that no matter what happens in a conversation, they can always turn it back to themselves? And you, I didn't say show of hands, and you guys are all like, yeah. Um, and you know, <laughs> here's, the, here's the interesting thing about that. If, if, you, if you don't know that person, you might be that person. <laughs> so just, just, just getting you, you know, hey, it's the time to look in. Look in at yourself. Uh, I, you know what? There's a, there, there's a very real human nature to all of us that wants to make us the center of our lives. Um, and as good as that sounds, and as good as that might seem to be, it's very detrimental to actually our mental health. It is very detrimental. And so as you reflect back and as you think about what's coming in the future, I want you to really ask yourself, how am I doing in regards to that self-centeredness? Okay, the second thing is uh, when you make others the center of your life. What happens when you make others the center of your life? All the same things we just talked about. Okay, I can see that. It, you get tired. Man, don't, you get burned out if you're always doing stuff, yes? What else? Yeah. Disappointed. Go into that a little bit, Zach. Disappointed in what? You set up your expectation. You're, tr you're hoping for people to actually meet a need in you, right? And guess what? People will always disappoint you. I want you to hear that. I'm going to disappoint you. The leadership of this church will disappoint you. A spouse will disappoint you. A sibling will disappoint you. A kid will disappoint you. A parent will disappoint you. We are human. We are imperfect. And when you put others at the center of your life, you absolutely will end up being disappointed at some point. Because there's not a perfect person on this. What else comes to mind when I say others? Idolatry. Idolatry. Well, that's a good one. Put somebody else and you start to kind of value their opinion more than God's even, huh? Maybe even more than yourself. That, that's interesting. Just in different aspects of that. What else? One more. Oh, man. That's a good one. When you put other people at the center of your life, you find yourself in a constant comparison. And then you're always trying to live up to somebody else's expectation. Because maybe they put you at the center of their life and you're trying to meet that need and guess what? You're gonna disappoint them. What happens when you put God at the center? Perfection. Love that. What else? Fulfillment. <laughs> Good. What else? It's scary because maybe you don't get to see the whole picture. Maybe he only lights a step at a time right in front of you. But he, the Bible does say he will light those steps up for you if you put him at the center. But it can be absolutely scary, yeah. Say You are always enough. You, you understand that you are always enough. When you put God in, oh, man, I love that. Ugh, you are always enough. I get it. 
peace. How many of you want more peace? Again, about half the room. <laughs> man, peace. Yes. Purpose. Man, you get to know your purpose, man. You get to understand that. Let me just share a little bit about where this idea came from. Um, I'm reading a book, um, and it's by a guy named Gregory Boyd. The book's title is Repenting of Religion. And um, though it does talk about this idea of centered a little bit in it, it's not the concept or the heart of the book. Um, but he said this quote that, man, just jumped off the pages at me. And I was like, oh, man, this is, this is the direction. This is where I want to go at the beginning of the year because I want us as a church, I want me personally, I'm, I'm speaking to myself right now, I want me personally to make God more the center of my life than he has ever been. And I want this to be a year where God is top of mind. He's the thing I filter everything through. Not another person, not myself, but let it be God. Let it be the Holy Spirit that I filter my life through. And I hope that that is your prayer. But here's the quote that I read. He says this, we try to make creation and God revolve around us. Does that not sound like the world we live in? We try to make creation and God revolve around us. We attempt to use things and people to derive our worth, meet our needs and expectations, or improve our lives in some way. Read that again. We attempt to use things and people to derive our worth, meet our needs and expectations, or improve our lives in some way. Consequently, when we fill the center ourselves, it is not a center of fullness. When we try to fill the center of who we are with anything other than God, we think it's going to fill us, but it doesn't. It is not a center of fullness, but a center of emptiness. Without God as our center, listen to this line, without God as our center, we are not a source of life, but we become a vacuum that sucks life. <laughs> oh. Without God as our center, we are not a source of life, but a vacuum that sucks life. Church, everyone wants to have emotional stability. Everybody wants to have fun. Everybody wants to enjoy their life. I truly believe that there is something inside of us that realizes, man, there is something more to this life than just being here for 80 or 90 years and then passing on. There's something inside of us that says, yes, there's something more. And so what we try to do as human beings is we try to find what that is and we try to fill that emptiness that's in the center of who we are and we try to fill that with all kinds of different things. And whether it's be self um, What's the word I'm looking for? I, just a, a selfishness in the, in the middle of that that we're trying to, man, I'll just do whatever I want to do. And when we find out that that doesn't work, we may actually swing that pendulum all the way to the other side and say, okay, well then here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna work for others. I'm gonna do things for other people because it's not as boring and it is a lot more fulfilling to go do things. But then what happens is we begin to get tired out and we begin to pour ourselves out and we don't feel like we're getting anything in return. And so the pendulum just keeps swinging back and forth and back and forth. 
I don't know how many times I've heard people say, you know what, I'm tired of serving other people. I'm just, it's gonna be just for me now. I gotta do it for me right now. And that's that pendulum swing all the way back to the other side. And what I believe the Holy Spirit, what God wants us to understand is, you know what, it's not about you. It's not about me. It's not about others. It's about Jesus. And when we put Jesus at the center of who we are, man, all the things that you guys were saying, man, start to come. We get fulfilled. We get peace. We get life. We understand freedom. And we begin to live our lives. Here's, I'm going to sum it up real quickly. As we do the new year, if you will focus and make Jesus the center of your life, this won't be a New Year's resolution. It'll be a new life resolution. It'll change your life forever. All the areas where you're lacking, all the areas where you have need, all of those things will be satisfied if you put Jesus at the center. But here's the truth. We are human beings and we struggle with this. We go from day to day, wavering back and forth from having ourselves as the center, others as the center, and then maybe we'll put God there for a minute. And then we go ourselves, and then we go others, and oh yeah, we're supposed to put God. And my prayer and my hope is that you will get an understanding that Jesus wants to be the center of your life. And when you do that, the rewards and the fruit are beyond your wildest imaginations. Marriages get healed. Mental health gets freed and you get set free from that and you get healthy that way. Spiritually, physical ailments can get healed when we put Jesus at the center. And even if they don't, we have a peace that goes beyond understanding, the Bible says. We have joy. The Word of God says the joy of the Lord is our strength. Man, we have joy that would radiate from us. And we can take weird scriptures like consider it pure joy when you face a trial and go, yeah, that's me. I'm so glad I got this flat tire. And when we put Jesus, that's the kind of things that come out of us as we just let God fill us. But it's hard. We struggle. We struggle with that. And so um, this series is going to be, um, uh, we're not sure how long we're going on it. To be honest, we have, we have three that we know what we're going to teach on, but we want to create um, practical ways. We want to bring to you um, practical illustrations or maybe even ideas, maybe some exercises to say, hey, if you do this, this will start helping you focus in on Jesus as the center. I don't want to just teach messages. I want to help all of us um, put Jesus more at the core of who we are, the center, so that we can have that emotional stability. So um, this morning, I just want to talk about what the Word of God says on a few things in regards to this. Um, and the first one is this. God and His kingdom, like we've been saying, should be our center. Deuteronomy 4.29. Now, let me just real quickly. Last week, I talked about the power of looking back and reflecting on what God has done. And earlier on in chapter 4, verse 9, actually, it says that Moses is telling the Israelites, remember what God has done for you. You guys remember this? Remember what God has done for you. And then he says, and not only that, but teach it to your children and your children's children. Okay? He did that because he knew that if he, they didn't teach these things, that people would forget and they'd go back into the human nature things. 
Okay. Well, in 20 verses, what you come to find out is that the Holy Spirit was directing Moses and basically saying, hey, not only do I want them to say these things, but here, here's what I want them to understand. They are going to fall. They're going to fall away. They're going to turn away from the Lord. And then it says, when they do, tell them this. When they fall away, when they take their eyes and they set them back on the Lord, verse 29 says, but if from there, that fallen place, you will seek the Lord your God, you will find him if you seek him with all your heart and all your soul. Now here's the good news in my mind in this. God knows that we're not perfect and he understands that from time to time, we will put ourselves at the center of our life. We will put others at the center of our life. We'll take God out of it and put something else at the center. He knows that. He knows that. And he doesn't go, okay, since you did that, get out of here. He actually goes, okay, if you do that, and if you find yourself in that place, if you will let your mind remind you, oh, wait, God's not the center, and you will seek me again, you will be found by me. Man, in other words, he's saying, I'm just waiting for you. Think about the story of the prodigal son. The dad was just waiting for the son to return. But if from there you will seek the Lord your God, if you will find him, if you seek him with all your heart and all your soul. Jeremiah 29, 11. Most of us have this verse memorized. Most of us totally uh, use this maybe as a life verse. But the question is, do you know what verse 12 and 13 says? Jeremiah 29, 11 says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you a future and a hope. Man, that is a great promise. I love that. He's speaking to the Israelites saying, hey, listen, if you turn back to God, I've got plans for you. He's using the prophet to speak to the Israelites to say, come back to me because I created you for a reason. Little less known is 12 and 13. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. Man, it doesn't matter how bad we mess up, church, God will listen to you. Oh, that's a good place for an amen. No matter how bad we screw up, as Doug said, no matter how bad we mess up, when we turn our hearts to the Lord and speak to him, he will listen. That's good news. I need that every day. I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. Man, he, he promises if you will seek him, he will meet you. Jesus, when he was walking and talking on this planet, he backed this up by saying this, Matthew 6, 33, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Okay. Clearly it says in the word of God that we are to seek him and his kingdom with all of our heart. So let me ask you real quickly, what does it look like what does it mean when you hear the words, seek him, seek the kingdom with all of your heart? What comes to mind? Expecting signs? Oh, expecting to find. Sorry. Expecting to find. Okay. Oh, man, that is so good. I could teach a whole message on that aspect right there. Expecting to find. 
man, if you go to the word of God going, I don't understand it, it's confusing, I don't know if I'll get anything, guess what you're gonna get when you read? Nothing. Go to the word of God expecting to receive something. Man, it could be just a simple little nugget. Those things that are confusing, man, just pass on. Maybe God will give you revelation later on about those things, but just keep reading until you get a nugget where you're like, oh, that's good, I'm gonna live on that today. But if you go to the word of God without any expectation that you're gonna hear, mm, I love that. Seeking comes, there's some expectation that you need to have when you seek. If you're seeking the Lord, expecting him not to speak to you, he won't. You set your mind up for that. If you seek him with all of your heart, but don't think he's listening to you, Man, that's going to make your ears, your spiritual ears, very hard to hear when he does speak to you. What else comes to mind when I say seek him with all your heart? Being intentional about it. Absolutely, yes. Putting, just being, being centered about making him center, right? Yes. Speak what he says about every situation. How about this? How about just think what he thinks about every situation? Church, we have stinking thinking when it comes to many things of God. And we need to put right perspective. We need to put the right thoughts into our heads. And we do that by getting into the word. Okay, so it says seek with all of our heart. Jesus said seek first the kingdom of God. And it says, and then all these things shall be added to you. What do you think that means? and then all these things shall be added to you. What is added to you when you seek first the kingdom of God? Love, joy, oh man, all of a sudden, oh yeah, 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 yeah. We, we, here's, here's why we can answer this real quick. Because we want the things. We spend our life seeking after those things. We go after those things because we realize they bring, or we're trying to fill the emptiness with that. Man, and what Jesus said is if you will put the kingdom of God at the center of who we are, if you will do that, everything else will come in line. If you're struggling in here today, if you are struggling in here today, I want you to hear this message. Put him at the center of your life. Take some time to get away just with him. My son went to a conference um, last week and he came back and, and one of the things that he really resonated with him is this, he said, Dad, silence is good. We don't like it. It gets awkward. I didn't talk there for maybe seven, eight seconds. <laughs> Got a little weird. <laughs> Janet, I got to. When I, when I started this whole uh, getting interaction for people, and then I'd ask a question and there's silence. She's like, oh my gosh, it kills me inside. Ah! <laughs> yes? We don't like silence. But hey, listen, silence is good. And if you're struggling, maybe, man, go get away for a day and just be quiet before the Lord. Don't bring your phone. Let him speak to you. Because what Jesus promised is that as you put the kingdom at the center of your life, 
all these things. Not some. All these things will be added unto you. The things, the areas, the places that you're lacking will be added to you. The relationships that you're struggling to just even interact with different people. Guess what? God will give you insight and give you wisdom and how to overcome and how to deal with those things. All these things will be added unto you. So I'm praying about this and thinking, okay, clearly several different verses that talked about seeking God and the kingdom of God. Um, and as a teaching team, um, when we were talking about this, somebody said, you know what? If we're seeking the kingdom of God, um, we need to realize something. What does every kingdom have? A king. Every kingdom has a king. First Timothy 6. I charge you in the presence of God who gives life to all things. Um, <laughs> I promise you in the presence of God who gives life to all things. Do you know what God's heart is for you? That you have life. He doesn't want you to be walking zombies on this planet. He doesn't want you to be dead, but yet still alive. God's heart for you, the Father heart of God is that we would have life living here now. His heart is that we would wake up in the morning excited about the day and not dreading it. That's his, that's his very nature. And I want you to get that for whoever has ears to hear that. God's heart, his nature is that we would have life. Jesus said, I didn't come just to give life. I came to give abundant life. Man, that's good news. I charge you in the presence of God who gives life to all things and of Christ Jesus who made the good confession in his testimony before Pontius Pilate. Keep this commandment. I'm gonna get to remember that line. Keep this commandment. Without stain or reproach until the appearance of our Lord Jesus Christ, which God will bring out in his own time, he who is blessed and the only sovereign one, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Who is the king of the kingdom? Jesus. I'm gonna try one more time. Who is the king of the kingdom? Jesus. Who do you think the world says the king of the kingdom is? Self, all kinds of different ideologies, all kinds of different things that would come into their mind. But hey, listen. You want to have the understanding to have that emotional stability? God sent Jesus, and this is the promise that he said. If you will put Jesus as the king of your life, put him on the throne of your heart, if you will put him there, all these things, all these things will be added unto you. He's the king of that kingdom that we're supposed to seek with all of our heart. But what is that commandment? Keep this commandment. Well, right before it in 1 Timothy 6, 11 and 12, it says this, but you, O man of God, flee from these things. Okay, what are the these things? If you read the first part of Timothy chapter 6, 1 Timothy 6, these things um, are basically two different things. First, false doctrines. The second was love of money. I was reading this and I was like, oh my gosh. This is exactly what we do at the center of our lives. I know there's many other things that we can put into there, but these two things, at least as I was reading it, just resonated in my spirit and my heart. 
False doctrine is simply the wrong way to think. And when we put wrong thinking at the center of our lives, it messes everything up. Yes or no? I got you thinking, don't I? (laughs) When we put false doctrine, when we put any thought that is not from God in our mind as the center of who we are, man, it will lead us astray. It leads us astray. And he's saying here, put these things away. What do we put away? Well, put false doctrine away. How do you do this? There's a section in the scripture that says this, take every thought captive. Not some of them, not the ones you don't like, not the ones you like, but it says every thought. How do you do with this? How are you doing with this? taking every thought captive. And it says, make it subject or obedient to Christ. And anything that the Holy Spirit doesn't say, yeah, that's from the Lord. Anything where the Holy Spirit doesn't say that, we're supposed to cast that away. And it says to flee from those things. Flee from false doctrines. Flee from improper thoughts. How do you do that? Man, you get those right thoughts. You get in relationship with one another so that you can say, am I thinking about this right? Man, I can't tell you how many times I get with DJ or other members of the staff and just say, hey, I'm thinking about this. Does that sound right? Oh, man, yeah. Or, or, oh, uh, I think you're off a little bit because of this and this. Oh, yeah, that's right. Okay, good. Man, take those thoughts captive. Use other people in your life to help you. Ask the Holy Spirit and he'll give you discernment on that. The other one that we're supposed to flee is the love of money. Do we not live in a world of people that love money. Why do they love money? Why? Stuff. Stuff. And why do they want stuff? Because they think money is going to fill that emptiness. Right, Kenny? They think money is going to be the thing that fills the emptiness. And so here we have Paul instructing Timothy, man, flee from these false doctrines. Flee from the love of money. And then he gives the commandment that he spoke about earlier. And he says this, and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. Six things. Then he says, fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made the good confession before many witnesses. And then he goes, I charge you in the presence of God who gives you all these things. Keep this commandment without stain or reproach. So what is he saying? He is saying, hey, put God, put the king, Jesus, so that the kingdom of God is in the center of who you are. And when you do that, here's what you're going to be reflecting on. You're gonna be reflecting on righteousness. You want a litmus test on how you're doing in regards to the kingdom of God being the center of your life, how much are you thinking about righteousness? Or how much are you judging others? Man, it's a quick litmus test. And it'll tell you where you're at. How about this one? How much are you thinking about godliness? How much are you thinking about faith? You know, faith comes by hearing. hearing, And hearing by the word of God. And so you have to hear from God in order to actually reflect on faith. 
How about how much are you reflecting on love, perseverance, and gentleness? I mean, these are just good practical ways to actually put a litmus test to see how you're doing. And I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be completely transparent. I don't do good always. Some days I feel like I do pretty good. And other days it's all about me. Anybody? And I wish I always responded out of these six things when something came. But man, many times I operate right out of my flesh. Next week we're going to talk a little bit about that. So I'll conclude by saying this. If we need to pursue the kingdom and God to make that the center, and if Jesus is the king that we need to put on the throne, then it's probably pretty important that we hear what Jesus has to say about it. Yes? And there's several verses that talk about it, but there's only one that I want to bring to your attention today, and that is this. In Luke 14, 33, it says this. In this same way, any of you who does not give up everything he has cannot be my disciple. Okay. What I am talking about today in regards to making Jesus the center of our life, church, I am talking about discipleship. And my heart cry is that every one of us in this room would say, Jesus, I want to be a disciple of you. I want to grow in the things you have for me. I want to know more about you. I want to know how you see me. I want to be a disciple of you, Jesus. That's what I'm hoping you're hearing. The capital C Church, the well-intentioned, has done us as a body a disservice because they teach this. If you will call upon the name of the Lord and realize that God sent Jesus for your sins, if you will just simply invite him into your heart, then you will be saved and your sins will be covered. And people do that, but then we just leave them there. My testimony, I had that experience when I was in 10th grade. It wasn't for five or six years later before I understood the concept of discipleship and the fact that Jesus said, if you want to be my disciples, you have to give it all away. Hey, church, listen. It's very easy. It's very easy. All you have to do is give everything to God. It's very easy. Huh? What does that look like? Come back next week and next week. <laughs> it's what we, hey, our, our heart as a teaching team, that question right there is really what we're hoping to be able to answer. What does it look like? How do we give everything away? Because here's our human perspective of this. I have to strive and I have to do a bunch of things for God. And as soon as you do that, you become a human human doing instead of a human being. And God doesn't want us to be human doings. But the thing is, in our flesh, we think, okay, in order to give everything to God, I have to start doing a bunch of stuff. And I'm not talking about doing a bunch of stuff. I am asking you to give everything that makes who you are to God. What am I asking you to do? Put Jesus at the center. 
And Jesus said, hey, if you want to be my disciple, give it all up. He didn't say, do it all. There's a huge difference between the two. And we want to get into those things. But today, I just want to stir something in you that says, yes, I don't want Jesus the Savior, though that's awesome. I want Jesus the Lord. I need the King of Kings to be in me, not just fire insurance. Not just fire insurance. And when we do this, Jesus promised, and all these things will be added unto you. I tell couples when I do premarital counseling this, and at some point this year, I'm gonna do a series, at least a couple messages on marriage. But one of the things I tell um, the husband and wife, I say, hey, you're wired different. I mean, they write books about it. Men are from Mars, women are from Venus. You know, you know? It, I don't think you have to live very long to realize um, that women and men think completely different about things. So in marriage, you have to get an understanding of, okay, I think different than this other person, so what is my role in, in that? And so I will tell couples um, to, I'll tell you to the wives, hey, your job is to give your heart to the man. It goes against your very nature. By nature, you're a protector, and your nature is to go like this. But what God is saying is, will you give your heart away? And to the husband, it says, hey, you're to die for your wife, as Jesus died for the church. And it goes against the very nature of a man because a man wants to do whatever he wants to do. And so a man has to die to his nature as a woman dies to her nature. And when the two of them do that, an interesting thing begins to happen. Because as a man, if I die to my wife, her heart begins to open and all of a sudden it, begins her, it becomes her greatest joy to meet the things I wanted. And all of a sudden, marriage goes like this. It's paradoxical. Wait, I'm giving it up, and all of a sudden, am I getting it? I say that to say this. The kingdom is paradoxical, and he says, give it all away to me. And when we do that, and we give it all to him, guess what? He then goes, no, now I'm going to meet the hidden desires of your heart. Now I'm going to give you the things you need to overcome. Now I'm going to hear. You've put me at the center. you made me the Lord. Okay, so now, here. We have to give it up first. And when we do, part of the fruit is that then he comes in and be, he begins to add all those things. Now, here's the trick. If you're trying to give it up to get, your motivation's wrong. And if a husband tries to die to him, die because he wants something from his wife, uh-uh, doesn't work right. And we all know that. And what God is saying has put me at the center of your life. Church 2019, let's put Jesus more at the center of our life than we ever have. And so here's what we're going to do. We're going to have communion. I couldn't think of a better way to finish this service than by um, breaking bread together and taking the cup and reminding ourselves of what God has done. So I'm going to pray and then I'll lead us in communion. So Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the fact that you, God, that you want to meet the hidden desires of our heart. God, I thank you for the fact that your very nature is to give life. That you want us to function in life. You want us to enjoy and have abundant life. So God, teach us 
and help us to become better at the understanding that in order to obtain that life, we have to give ourselves away. And we give ourselves away to you. And we say, God, come and be the center of who we are. Oh, God, be the center of my life. Jesus, I want more of you. Jesus, be the center of this church. God, help us to not do anything that's not led from you by your spirit. God, we don't want to do programs. We don't want to do services. We we don't want to do anything that's not led by your Holy Spirit. We want you to be the center of this church. And God, I pray individually in this room, I pray that your spirit would be stirring in every person and that you would help them to realize that you so cared for them, you so loved them because you want to be the center of their lives so that they can have that emotional stability because I know that that's what everybody, man, there's, there's nothing like having that emotional stability that brings us life. So God, give that to us. Lord, if there's people in here this morning that have never even thought about including you in their life, God, I pray that you would come in and make yourself real to them right now. God, confirm the words that I've shared, that I've spoken, and then make it very real to them. And so if you're here with every head bowed and eye closed, if you're here this morning and you say, you know, Pastor Dan, that's something I need to do. I need to ask Jesus into my heart. I need to ask him as Lord, not only as Savior, but as also as Lord. I want to be a disciple of him. If you're here and you say, yes, that's what I want to do with, again, every head bowed and eye closed. If you're here and you say, Pastor Dan, pray for me. Would you just lift your hand up real quick? Yep, 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 yep. Heavenly Father, we thank you for these individuals. We thank you for the ones that have responded to your spirit just speaking to them right now. And God, I pray that you'd help them to realize that it's not about a reformation. It's not about changing in the flesh. But God, it's simply about listening and responding to that same voice that they just listened to. God, help us all be better at listening to that voice. And God, we thank you for the fact that angels are in heaven rejoicing at the decision that they just made. And God, we pray that you would just put the seal of confirmation into their hearts and in their spirits. And God, that you would come in. And as they begin to question and as they begin to work through what does it mean to put you at the center of their life, God, I pray that by your Holy Spirit, you would begin to speak to them and show them what that means. Show us all what that means. And God, we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, those was a good four or five hands right there. That was awesome. Give them a hand. That's amazing. Okay. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to have communion in just a minute. I'm going to ask you to go down the center to the sides and then come back. You can come back to your seat through the center. Um, we have um, bread and we have wine and juice. And so if you, we default by the wine, but if you need juice, just tell the server, hey, I would like juice. But here's what I want you to remember. First, the body of Christ. Jesus took the bread with his disciples and he broke it. Okay, it symbolized his body that was going to be broken. And he said, hey, take this in remembrance of me. And he instructed us as believers to actually do this, oftentimes in our lives, to remember what Jesus did for us. And you know what? There's a powerful thing that happens when we realize that Jesus came and lived that perfect life and his body was broken. 
so that we could have this kingdom in our hearts so that we wouldn't have to go to the high priest anymore to hear from God but that we each could have direct access to the heavenly father through that body that was broken and so remember that today and then when you take that bread and you dip it into the cup here's what I want you to remember do you know that you were at the center of God's heart when he died for you your name was on his mind And when you dip that bread into that cup, I want you to remember that that blood, Jesus said it's a sign of a new covenant. You know what that new covenant was? That we could have a relationship with God again. Again, not going through the high priest, but that we could have direct access to our heavenly father. And how good is that? And just remind yourself and maybe thank God. Thank you that I can have this relationship with you. And thank you that when I seek you, you hear me. And thank you that when I seek you, You answered me. And just remember that as you take that bread. And so if Robin Amy, you can come help us serve. Kim and I will be over here. We're going to have the worship team sing a little song. And at any point that you feel you want to get up and do communion, feel free to do it.
it's going to be a great year. Jesus has incredible things in his heart to do in amazing ways that he's going to reveal himself. And when we put him at the center, as we've just been taught, thank you, Dan, so much for just leading us in that foundation. I'm telling you what, anybody who tries to tell you you're going to have abundant life without Jesus at the center is trying to sell you something because he is life. He is you know, the Word of God says that they might know you, the one true God and Jesus whom you sent. He is eternal life. And I'll tell you what, as we just dig into him together and place him at the center of our worlds and see ourselves as orbiting around him, there's just everything is added to us. And so just set your expectation, set your faith, set your hopes high this year for things that you've in years past said, you know what, yeah, maybe that just will never happen. I believe that God is sparking and stirring something new, saying, hey, <laughs> I'm the God of the impossible. I'm the game changer. I'm the one who comes into a situation and makes all things new that nobody else can do. That's his expertise. That's where he lives. That's the kind of things he does. So he's going to do good things in your life and in us as a church family. And I believe through us in revealing himself, to a world that desperately needs to see his love. Amen?